Well, isn't it awesome just to share in the communion, the blood of Jesus, and just to relax around what he has done for us and just rest in his love uh, for us. Today, I'm going to be ministering on what it actually means to receive Jesus. Uh, we have had a traditional view of receiving Jesus as, I feel so sorry about my sin, and then you come to the altar and you cry a bit and uh, you repent of your sin, and, and, and then you just say, Jesus, uh, save me, and that means you've received Jesus. Now, I do believe that if you do that, and you come and you call upon the name of the Lord, and you ask Him to save you, that He will um, bring forth salvation, uh, and that the Lord will meet you wherever you are. So I'm not saying that a person you know, cannot receive a new life that way. Um, but what I would like to do is I would like to explain what the Bible says and what was in the mind of God and the mind of John when he wrote about the new birth and when, when he wrote about receiving the Lord. Um, receiving the Lord sim is simply uh, a, when a person comes to a place where you can actually receive who and what the Lord is. But we're going to look at some scripture that just um, explains all of this. You know, I've met with pastors many times that they, that they would tell me, Bertie, I don't know if I'm saved. I don't know if I've received Jesus. And the reason why there will be doubt in a person's heart that believe in the Lord, um, as if he has really received the Lord or if he's really saved, is simply because of a system that continually disqualifies him. That's what it's all about. And if you, can, if you are at a place where you continually feel disqualified, if you are at a place where you continually feel that um, it is just, uh, you know, you're just not good enough and you just, not, you just don't qualify, you always wonder if you are saved. And uh, that doubt is normally based on a belief system that is not stable. Um, and that means that the belief system is not based on what God believes about you. So um, let's go to John chapter 1, and we're going to read from verse 11. John 1 verse 11, it says, He came unto his own, and his own received him not. He came unto his own, his own received him not. Now, what's important in that verse is that he says he came to his own. And when he came to his own, the, the true context of that is he came to the Jews, and the Jews did not receive him. And, and that was written by John um, from the perspective wherein the Jews believed that they were the people that belonged to God. Um, and God came to them, but they could not receive him. But um, the truth is that none of the Jews were born again. None of the Jews were believers in Jesus. And even if they were not believers in Jesus, God still called them his own. And that would qualify well, let me put it this way, and I'll use the argument that Paul uses in Romans. He says the Jews are sinners and the Gentiles are sinners. Therefore, they are the same. And when God comes to his own, he doesn't just come to uh, the believer. He comes to mankind. That's what he, who he comes to. He, he's come to touch mankind. He's come to visit mankind. Mankind has, has, been a, has not been at a place... Um, where they could really understand who God was. But God decided, let me go and just visit man. Let me go and sit with man. Let me go and explain to man. Let me take time and um, explain to man who I really am and how much I really love them. And then we can actually receive him. But before we get to the receive part, I want to just stretch a point. Um, all the people on the planet 
are the people of God. Now you might say, oh my goodness, Bertie, you've jumped off the wagon. How can all the people be the people of God? If you recall Matthew chapter 6, Jesus comes to people that has never accepted him, that doesn't believe in him, they just follow him to see miracles. Uh, before he died, before he rose again, before blood flowed, before any of those things, and he said to them, why do you worry about what you eat, what you drink, or what you will wear? Your heavenly Father knows that you have need of these things. Now, Jesus didn't say your heavenly Father because it was just a slogan. He even said to Mary, you know, my God and your God and my Father and your Father. So what he was saying to people is even before they believed upon, called upon the name of the Lord, before they could, what we in the charismatic Pentecostal circles would see as the born again experience or a radical change, the Father already called himself the Father of people. So all people belong to God. All people belong to God. But the problem that we've had in Christianity is that we have been in a place where we've preached such a shallow gospel that we've defined salvation only on the terms of who we belong to. If I belong to that person, if I know him or not, if I've got anything to do with him or not, if he lives in me or not, I don't care as long as I belong to him. And if I one day in my life just say Jesus once, you know, that means I belong to a certain person and because I belong to him, I'm saved and he will not murder me one day when he comes back, you know, um, to pour out the final wrath that Jesus couldn't satisfy. Now, I mean, that is, that is a very shallow Gospel. It is actually not a gospel or a good news at all. Um, when it comes to receiving Christ, uh, what's what what it's all about is actually that God saw that His own people, His people, were lost, and that His people were taken captive. That the people that belongs to him, the people that he loves, went to a place where their minds got corrupted in the lie that Satan started to spread about who the Father is. And when they believed a lie about God, they felt lonely, they felt, who will give me life? And that they had to then get life by their very own works. And um, in that lie, a picture about God was painted which was not the truth. I've said it, I think, two weeks ago as well, um, or last week. You know, when, um, and this was the big thing uh, about how God dealt with people and the closeness in how he dealt with people. You know, when Adam and Eve sinned, after they've sinned, they said, well, you know, uh, then they were hiding from God, and then God asked, why are you hiding? And then this is what they said. They said, well, you know, we are naked and we are ashamed. And then God said, who told you that you were naked? You know, Adam and Eve wasn't, um, Adam and Eve wasn't ignorant about their nakedness. Like, you know, they were walking and thinking that they're clothed and whatever, and then one day, wow, help me. What's happening? You know, I never knew I was naked. <laughs> That's not the case. Adam and Eve always knew that they were naked. But the thing was, 
when God came to Adam and Eve, He said, who told you that you're naked? Because if God speaks to you about your nakedness, you will not be ashamed. But if Satan starts to speak to you about your nakedness, you'll be ashamed. And we see that in the woman that was caught in the very act of adultery. She was, I mean, in those days, if you were caught in the very act of adultery, they grabbed you just like that. They had no value for your life. You are um, like that one movie, you know, Dead Man Walking. Uh, You're going to be stoned right now. They would just pull you out into the street naked, and then people will come and stone you. And here was a woman dragged before Jesus, um, I would say half naked or naked before the Lord, in a place of utter embarrassment and when the Pharisees spoke about her nakedness or inability or her sin, she was ashamed. But when Jesus spoke to her about her inability and her shame, you know, she felt clothed. And I believe when Jesus said to her, listen, you know, where are those accusers of yours? You know, go and sin no more. When he showed love to her and says, neither do I condemn you. I'm not going to kill you. I, have, I don't have the ministration of death. I cannot kill anybody. When he said that, I tell you, in that moment, she wasn't even aware that she was naked, although she knew she was naked. Her nakedness was not in her mind. And here we find Adam and Eve come in a place where Satan starts to talk to Adam and Eve about their inability to be like God by their own works, start to talk to Adam and Eve about, you know, that they are actually a creature that's dependent upon God for life and that they should try and have life by their own works and that they are, um, you know, that God tries to hide things from them and, and all those kind of things. And, and here they feel ashamed about, about that. And all of mankind was dumped into that lie was dumped into the argument of Satan or Satan's description of our nakedness. And we start to feel ashamed. We start to feel, I'm not good enough. I don't qualify. And um, God saw man living in that deception. And he said, my people are deceived. My people are living in the, in the alienation or the separation that's in their minds because of lies. And he said, I'm going to save my people. So, and here the scripture says that God came unto his own. You know, the first point I want to make is just where he says, when he talks about his own. In the true context of this, he talks about the Jews. Yet I want to say he doesn't, he didn't just come for Jews. If we look at the bigger picture of things, he, ca- he came to his own, which is us, which is all of us. So I want you to know, even if you're watching for the very first time, please know this, that you belong to God. So don't think you'll only start to belong to God once you do what God says. No, you belong to God. You've always belonged to God, and you will always belong to God. Something that belongs to God can be lost, or something that belongs to God can die, but you should never forget your origin. You should never forget the place where you actually belong. It's like the prodigal son when he was lost. To whom did he belong? Who was his father? Did his father, did did, did the father, father God, all of a sudden not uh, become a, a stranger to him or not his father anymore when he went and joined himself to 
some citizen of another country? No. What happened was the son of the father went and joined him to a citizen of another country. And if you would ask the father, where is your son? He would say, my son has joined himself to the citizen of another country and he is now a slave of that person and I want him to return. Uh, that is the attitude and the heart of God. So before we even talk about receiving Jesus, before we even talk about born of God or any of that, I want you to have that established in your heart. And if it's not established in your heart, and if you doubt that, let the Lord speak to you. You know, church, um, there has to be a place in our lives, and I say that for everybody listening, everybody that is here, there has to be a place in your life where you go into your inner room where you where it's not about you or you and your wife or you and your children or you and your parents but where you close the door and it's you and God just you and God and where you speak to God where you don't have a relationship with God via anybody but where you can just come and speak to God yourself and say Lord I belong to you I don't understand everything, but I belong to you. And show me how I belong to you. <laughs> Glory to God. And you will see how the Lord shows you those things. And if you listen to these webcasts, or if you listen to any preacher's message, and you think that by listening to that preacher, you're going to have all revelation, I want to tell you, you're going to be disappointed all the time. Um, or you'll get addicted to running to preachers all the time, listening to men. You, you cannot miss one message because, oh my goodness, if I miss it, what then? God wants a relationship with you. You belong to Him. Okay, so He came to His own, and then it says here, His own received Him not. Now, I don't want to focus on the negative here, which is that the Jews did not receive Jesus. I want to explain the word receive there, where it says, they received Him not. Now, um, that word receive there means to receive near. That is to associate with oneself. To take, to learn from. Receive near. To receive as close. You know what God did in Jesus? He came and He said, I want to I show you how close I am to you. I want to show you that there's no distance between God and man. And the way God did that was by incarnating a human body that, could, that was sinless, that could receive the sin of all people, and while he received the sin of all people on him in the baptism of John, he could still walk and fellowship with man. Do you see the closeness? Well, we've always seen this thing, my sin has separated me from God. God has seen my sin, now he cannot fellowship with me, now he's far from me. What do we see God do? God comes unto his own, and now he fellowships amongst the sinners. And he hangs out with tax collectors, he, he, he's got prostitutes that's, uh, th that he fellowships with, he's got uh, drunkards around him, he was even called uh, a drunkard. Uh, you know, a wine bubber, that's what he was called, you know, and a glutton. 
because he was hanging out with all these people. And what he was showing, what he was actually showing was the closeness of God to a sinner. Wherein God has never rejected man. Wherein he accepts man. And wherein he says, I receive you. I, and the word receive here is, associate with or receive you as near. The first thing that God has come to show is that he can come close to us. He can come familiar with us. You know, I don't know the English word familiar if it is... um, I'm not very acquainted with the English use of it, but in Afrikaans, when we would go, you go to the, uh, I mean, I was in South African Defense Force in, I think, 1990, and, and when you were there and you became friendly with a corporal or friendly with a sergeant major, then they would say, oh, you're like a familiar. You are becoming familiar. You are kind of trying, you, you are thinking that this corporal is family. That's what you are thinking. You should never cross the bridge. That's what they would say. And then what they would do is they would punish you because you would think that the corporal, you become too friendly with him. You become too familiar with him. He comes too close to you. Wherein you just start to share your heart and make jokes and those kind of things. Yet the definition of receive is to receive as close or to receive close. That's the definition of receive. So when we receive, we first see that God received us. How did he receive us? He receives us by fully associating with us, by becoming familiar with us, associating with oneself. How did God associate us with him? He took a man and put that man in the Trinity. Now the question is, Or the gospel is, would you receive God? Can you receive God? Can you see as close? Can you become familiar with God? That's what the whole thing is all about. Can you come to a place where you see God as your friend? Can you come to a place where where you enter the presence of God, but you don't have that distance of sin? In your heart, because you know, if, if I come home and uh, if I crossed a, a stop street the other day, they stopped me here and they caught me, and uh, you know, then I they stopped me, they said to me, uh, Sir, you know what you, you you know why we've stopped you? I said, Yes, because you're collecting money, and uh, <laughs> I said, No, that is <laughs> that is not uh, that's not why we. We, that's, but then they said, no, sir, that's not why we stopped you. I said, I, I said, um, I said, yeah, you stopped me because I didn't stop at the, at the street, at, at the stop sign. And they said, yes. And then I felt, oh, you know, um, the once they caught me makes up for the 500 times I skipped there. You know, because it's just like you get into a habit, you know, of doing this. And don't stop properly. And it's not like in the U.S. or Europe where they've got this very strict law enforcement. You know, it's like um, uh, it's not as if they're always there. And you sit, you sit with that, with that, with a thing where you just—I mean—you become a bit familiar. You become a bit relaxed. And then the moment the traffic officer sees you, all of a sudden you realize that this is the authority. You need to watch what you say. 
and, uh, and then if they catch you, you know, I can, you can feel guilty. But when I come home, I'm not going to first say to my wife and my children, listen, you know, before we can continue with this meal or before we can ever go anywhere again, let me first confess to you, you know, I got a speeding ticket or I got a, a ticket for not stopping. Because being familiar overrides the power of doing something wrong as pertaining to a law. I don't know if you understand what I, church, I hope you, you get what I'm trying to say there. So can we come to a place where we see the closeness of God? Um, now the Bible says, but as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. And, and I want to explain it this way. In other words, to those who has received him, and, and the, the word receive in the second uh, uh, verse there, mean, it's got a little bit of a different meaning. It means to, to take with a hand, to lay a hold of any person or anything in order to make use of it. So what Jesus says, he says, if you can grab a hold of me, if you can see this closeness, if you can see who I am, if you can see where I'm seated, if you can see that my innocence is your innocence, and you can grab a hold of that with a purpose to use it. In other words, when you can say, I am innocent, I am righteous, I've been set free from death, I'll partake in the resurrection, I am the child of God. I have been delivered from the enslavement of sin and death. God is my father. When you can say that from the depth of your heart, that's when you receive Jesus. That's receiving Jesus, grabbing a hold of with a purpose to make use of. Now, let's be very practical. If you're in a situation where you've done something wrong, are you going to receive Jesus in that situation or are you going to receive the word of the devil in condemnation? No, no, we receive Jesus. And listen to what happens when we receive Jesus. It says there, to, but as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. So, you know, a legalistic mind will see it this way. Let's say this is the power to become a son of God. Okay? And now God puts that in his back pocket. And then he says, well, you know, um, let's see who's received me. Come on, come on. Angels, just give a report. Who's received me? Okay, they, they, okay I'll give to them the power now to become the sons of God. And boom, you fall out under the power. And then you stand up and all of a sudden now you've got that anointing to be the son of God. That's not what it means. But that's how our minds read it. Accept me and I'll give you power. That's not how it works. The way it works when we can come to a place where we can embrace the closeness of God and we can have God so close to us wherein we can see our union with Him, our oneness with Him. Once that takes place, the fact that we, Him, His closeness, gives us a power that overrides our fears. Um, uh, let me put it this way. If my son plays cricket and he can receive me as his coach, what that means is if he can bring me in his heart to a place where he can actually learn something from me, where he can say, 
come close to me. I, I, I will open up my heart and I will show you my weaknesses in this sport. And you come and you, you show me. I, I'm willing to learn from you. I, I see you as my friend. I see you as the one that wants to help me. I see you as my coach and my dad. If he can do that, guess what? Who I am and what I know will empower him to be as good as what I know, um, you know, and, and, or reach the level of my understanding of that game. And that's how the empowerment works. That's how the authority works. Um, there's another side to the authority that I will also touch on. But when we receive, when we can see God as close to us, when we can say, I'm united with God in Christ, my sins are forgiven. When all these things happen, the fact that we don't walk anymore with a sin consciousness, the fact that we don't walk anymore with guilt ruling our life and fear ruling our life, um, we will find that since guilt doesn't rule my life, but peace rules my life, it gives me the authority or the reason to be happy when I would normally be sad. That's how simple it is. You know, when you become familiar with God, is, my way of looking at it is when you become family orientated with God. That is how, that's what happens. And when you are inside that, it's not God's going to give me authority if I obey Him. I've seen that many times. I remember when I fasted for more authority. And when I wanted to take authority over the town and over the city and over this. Listen, I've, I've got news for you. All authority belongs to Jesus. Finish. Not to you. To Jesus. And you don't have to police the devil. You know, we can police the devil all day long. And then the devil is trespassed here. Now we want to bind him and sevenfold back and all that. Church, let us not be that immature. I want us as an internet church, as people, let us come to a place where we, where we think inside family terms. And that is when we receive God. That is when we receive who He is. Is when we start to reason inside family terms. And you know what? My kids, when, 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 when I'm here at home and something goes wrong here, they don't go, in the name of my Father, I'm now casting you out, or I'm doing this, or I'm doing that. Not that I say we cannot cast our devils, but I want to explain to you how this works. When they walk here, they know that all authority on this property belongs to me. And the way they walk in that authority is by resting in the fact that I have jurisdiction over them and that I will exercise this authority of love to see that they are safe and cared for all the time. And that's how they make use of this authority because in Christ when God uh, um, raised man from the dead and when you receive when you can see this closeness you find that you enter the realm of his authority wherein he rules over you with peace wherein he rules over you with not with a point where you're not worrying anymore you're actually wondering if you are irresponsible or if you are in faith 
you know, that, that kind of a thing starts to grab your heart, where you start to feel forgiveness just comes naturally. That is the rule or the authority of God over you. And that is the authority that he says who he is gives. He, that authority is now given unto us in this sense, that his power comes to us wherein he brings us over into his kind of a life simply by receiving him as close to us. Now, let me just summarize this, and we're going to go to uh, one or two points, and then we're going to end off. To receive Jesus, and this is, this is all I want you to remember, if you want to just summarize everything. To receive Jesus, know this. You've always belonged to God, but what you receive is what He's done and how that implies to you. When you believe that, when you believe that when he died, I died. When you believe that when he rose, we were co-raised with him. When you believe that he went and sat at the right hand of the Father as a human, you grab it for yourself. The, one of the best ways I can say it is to, to take it personally. You know, many times you say, you shouldn't take something personally, man. Don't take everything personally. No, no. When it comes to the gospel, you should take it personally. Take it personally. That's the only way you can take it. And when you take it personally, when you see Jesus died, he died my death, he rose, that's my resurrection, his life is my life. When, when your heart believes that as the truth, you have received Christ. That is receiving the Lord. And that is the receiving that's got wherein the authority or the power or... Um, let me use the, the let me explain the word authority there. The authority is there, the power of choice, liberty of doing as one pleases. So what happens is when you've come to the place where you see your closeness to God, it's the first time in your life where you will ever be able to do whatever you want. Before that day, before receiving Christ. You could never do what you want. You were always doing what the flesh dictated to you, you had to do. You were under the power of the law. You were under the power of sin and death. And that was bringing forth thoughts and stuff in your heart. And you would say, well, I'm going to do whatever I want and I'm going to follow my heart. You thought you were doing whatever you want. That's not what you wanted. You want peace. You want joy. You want to be kind. You want to be the place where, where, where you can love and where people can love you. That's what you actually want, but you cannot do it. But the moment you come to a place where you, are, where you see your union with God in Christ, you are liberated to, for the first time in your life, actually do what you really want. Let's use a practical example in finances. You know, you might maybe, you wanted to, you, you look, there's somebody in your town that you wanted to give money to or you wanted to give a car away or you want to do something like that for a long time in your life and you could never do it. And the harder you try, then you, then you can't do it. And then to justify your thoughts, you would say, yeah, but that person, you know, will he look after the car? Is he faithful? Is he this? Is, you'll find all kinds of excuses and try and justify your thoughts because you don't now want to stand guilty before God. You know, you find reasons and that's how you live. But the moment you see this closeness, if that's what you really want to do, to actually give something to somebody, you would find that your union 
and the revelation of the eternal provision of the Father actually sets you now free and gives you the authority to now do whatever you want. And this is what it says, it gives you the authority to do whatever you want to become to, or to receive the very being of God. That's what the next verse says. Let's read it. As many as received him, I can just quote it, to them gave he the power to become, the word become in Greek, to receive being, to become the sons of God. When you say you're a son of God, what you are saying is you're saying I'm possessing immortality. And as when Christ, as Christ would live and never die, in the very same way, even if I should die, I would live. And that death can never conquer me, for I am of God. In Afrikaans you would say, ek is van Godse stofasie. It's, it's, that is who and what I am. And that brings forth, that brings forth that liberty to not try and fend for yourself anymore. To not try and have a life where everything just revolves around what's right and wrong, but where you can actually do what you want. <laughs> that is awesome, isn't it? Could you think that God would love you unto the place where he could then give you the freedom and that his life would end resulting in you doing whatever you want and in that doing whatever you want you would find the son of God you become a son of God you find your life and your thoughts and your intents born of God isn't that beautiful that's what God has for you that's what God has intended for you the word born I'm not gonna I want to go through more but we're running out of time the word born means in um, the Bible says, uh, uh, verse 13 says, these that received or could receive God as close, they have the authority or the power of God's love empowers them to manifest God in them. And this life they have is born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. You know, we can have a holy life, holy life, and fear is the father of our actions or guilt or obligation it's, it's the father of everything you do then you might have a good life but the father of your life is not God but here God says if you've come to a place where you can embrace how close he is it will bring forth God's life in you and then you can say this life I live is not because I am obligated to do it I'm not forced by God to do it the Lord doesn't force me it is not me in my own willpower bringing it forth it is actually God that gave birth to these emotions in me and the passions in me shaping my will and now I can actually do what I want to do and God would so live in you. Now that word born in a Jewish sense means of one who brings others over into his way of life. So this is the gospel. This is the good news. And I'm going to end off with this. God has seen us. He's seen us as his own. And he was seeing that we were not living his way of living. We, we didn't have his closeness of living. And the way it works in the Trinity is the way of closeness. It's the the, the way is the family way. That is the Trinity, Trinity's way of doing. It's a family way. God calls himself Father. So if he calls himself Father and, it's, and he says, the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we see family there. We see 
people can become familiar or family orientated or family dynamics can manifest inside those circles. We can see that. And then he says, he will now bring you over into his way of living. So the way the Father and the Son works is with this closeness, this oneness. The Father, Jesus said, me and the Father, we are one. And whatever I do is not I who do it, but the Father in me who does these things. It's not I who speak, but it's the Father in me that speaks. That's the closeness that he saw. And out of that closeness, it gave him the, the liberty to actually be the Son of God in this world. In the very same way. When we can receive that closeness, it's not, let me receive the closeness and now I'm going to do good. That's not how it works. The way family works is a husband and wife comes together and then they bear fruit. That's how it will work. In the midst of closeness, on account of the union and the seed that we receive or the word we believe, it bears fruit. Not you must bear fruit and then you'll be saved. It bears fruit in you. And so he comes and he says, what God will do is he will bring you by you just seeing his love for him and believing his love. He'll bring you in, over into his way of living. That's what it means to be born. The word born means to bring someone else over into your way of living. That's what it means. To bring someone else over into your way of living. Now you are born out of this person or that person, whoever brings you over into his way. So the way God's going to bring you over into his way of doing is by loving you. And he's going to love you. And as you can believe his love towards you, that's when you receive Christ. When you receive Jesus. Hallelujah. Isn't that good news? I want to end off with an example of that. You remember Stephen when he was stoned and um, he was stoned and when he was stoned, he saw a vision and this vision was blasphemy to the greatest degree to Jews because the Jews believed like the, like the Muslims would believe today, you can never call yourself equal with God. God is a supreme being, you can never call yourself, you, you, you cannot actually put your name and God's name in the same sentence. Um, he's so high and you are just so low. And here comes Stephen. And, and when he was stoned by the Jews, listen to what he said. He said, and he saw a vision. He, he saw the glory of the Lord. And he said, behold, I see the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Now what he was saying was, he was saying, I see man in equality with God. That is what he was saying. And by saying that and, and actually seeing it, believing it, revealing what he sees, he saw the union, the perfect oneness between the Father and man in Christ, including himself, because he didn't say, I see Jesus. He saw Jesus, but what he said was, he said, I see the Son of Man, meaning the representative of all mankind. I see mankind there. And you know what was the next thing that happened? These guys became very angry. They tore their clothes and they started stoning him. And as they start to stone him, listen to what happens. Then, for the first time in his life, he had the authority to say to people that stoned him. He prayed. He says, Father, don't keep the sin against them. Do you see how 
Jesus when he was crucified. They nailed him to the cross. And while nailing him, he saw his union with the Father. And he says, my God, don't keep the sin against them. They know not what they do. Do you see the fruit of God in him? And he was liberated by the closeness. And God brought him over into that kind of a life, which we can never, by our own power, ever access. I want to tell you, it is crazy to ever think you can access that kind of life by your own power. It's impossible. And here we see Stephen, when he saw that union, that I received the fact that God and man is one in the throne of God. And in that closeness and that embrace, he, he says, don't keep the sin against them, Father, where thou stoning me now. This is what the Bible says. And what happens when he said that? He was brought over into God's way of living. By who? By the very Spirit of God. And that is receiving Jesus and bearing fruit. And that's what it means to be born of God. Where your life is not born of the will of the flesh. Not born of the will of man or born of ethnicity. But where you co you've come over into the very life of God by God loving you into it. Amen, amen. If, you, um, if you've enjoyed this message and you want to share it with somebody, you can do that by just sharing the link. Um, if you would like to ask a question or something like that, feel free to send it to info at dynamicministries.com or you guys are free to contact any of our web pastors um, on, just go on to dynamicministries.com and just click on uh, web fellowship and you can contact anybody there. If you need prayer, please contact um, you know, any of our web pastors. We would love to minister to you. We'd love to counsel you. That's why we are there. Uh, that's, that's our passion. We want to minister the life of God to you. And if you just need uh, people to just walk with you in this life, that's why we've got these face-to-face -face groups and all of those things. So uh, um, please feel free to contact any of our uh, web pastors and let us let us know um, you know just if this is blessed you would like to hear some testimonies about this thank you so much you guys are precious i'm going to pray for you and then i would like to just say one or two things more father thank you so much that we could come to the end of the service with hearts overwhelmed by your goodness and your love i pray for people that are having sickness in their bodies that has stress that has all those kind of things i thank you father that they are part of a kingdom where your authority is uh, and your kingdom is a kingdom wherein you rule over them with peace and safety and healing and all those kind of things. And thank you, Lord, that we don't have to try and make your kingdom work. But since you have received all authority, we can go for you will exercise that authority in our lives by us simply just uh, looking at the closeness there is between you and us. Thank you for that, Father. I pray for our church, uh, our web church. I thank you, Father, that you love them and that they are close to you and that some of them can be very lonely and maybe find it difficult to even reach out to a face-to-face -face group or uh, join a page on Facebook or something like that of our church. Father, thank you that you just encourage them where they are. Thank you for giving them the boldness and linking them up with people that are like-minded. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen.
Well, glory to God. Thank you so much uh, for watching. Um, I would just like to thank everybody that gives towards this ministry. You guys are absolutely awesome. Your generosity has really blessed us and enabled us to do what we do. That is awesome. I just wanted to use this time to thank you guys. God bless you.